0: Hey, Siri, find me a dope podcast for black insurance professionals. Connecting you to Soba Live. What's going on, Sober family? Welcome to Sober Live, where industry and culture meet. I am T. Priest, the co-founder of Soba and president of Noble.
1: That throws me off, president of Noble. I got to get used to that. Hey, everybody, this is Shay Norman. I am co-founder of Soba and also founder of The Bridge Financial Accountability Coaching Company. Good to be here again on this Monday evening.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I got a little bit of energy tonight. Last week, y'all... Forgive me, I don't know what was going on. Long day. Shay got on me after the podcast, like, "Hey, I don't know what you smoking, but don't do it again." So, yeah, <laughs> a little, little, little more energy this week for y'all. Very
1: good. I appreciate that. I knew you would. I knew you would.
0: Mondays are kind of crazy. I know we usually talk about our week, but like Mondays are almost my setup days, right? So, yeah. y'all know I'm a chill person anyway. I'm, I'm never the hype man, but. Mondays are always chill for me. I'm just getting my week started. You know, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, I go hard. So by the time 8 o'clock rolls around, if I haven't done much out of the house, it's hard to ramp up sometime right. for, for this. And you and I have talked about this. Like, podcasting is different. We've been in the industry for a long time. So a lot of times we're on the other side of the mic being interviewed. Mm-hmm. This is a whole different situation. Preparing for a podcast, preparing for guests, topics, news, it's different. So, even though we've been at it for a year, sometimes it still takes a little, you know, kicking the rear to get things in gear. So, I'm good today.
1: We good. I'm I'm glad to hear that. How was your weekend?
0: My weekend was good. Um Sunday yesterday, I really didn't do much anything. You know, I woke up Sit on the couch and like for the first half of the day just read you know i got a ton of books that i've been trying to get to and um there's one in particular i've been really wanting to to close out i've been i've been reading for about a month and for the last week or so i really hadn't got to so sunday i said you know what i'm not going to do anything i'm gonna sit here read there's no you know nothing else i need to do just pressing. So for the first half of the day I did that and then um later that evening grab something to eat. But you a chill week. The book? hmm
1: We're sitting at the edge of our seats. What's the book?
0: Um, this one is called The Unfair Advantage. Oh. And yeah. it talks about using what you have at your disposal to create an unfair advantage, whether it be in business or your personal life. Um, you know, a lot of times when it comes to business, people think that other people have it easier because of where they went to school their upbringing their connections or whatever mm-hmm. but they talk about how using what you have to create your own unfair advantage in different areas of your life so the book um like i said i've been at it for about a month last week or so i haven't got around to but i'm really looking forward to closing out that book
1: nice nice mm-hmm. well we were on the same somewhat same vein um this is a book i picked up off of my shelf winning teams winning cultures there are so many books i have that i never read all the way through you know i would just maybe skim through look at the um, table of contents maybe get into a topic i really wanted so this is a book i felt like um when i first got it it was something that i think everyone in leadership should have a few good books that they rely on and go back to, mm-hmm. and this one I am deciding to read it cover to cover. It was really nice reading this weekend and not watching as many videos, but I did that um i my nephew, my youngest nephew, went to the prom Saturday. I was just I was just I was enamored. he looked so handsome and so nice. grown up. so shout out to my nephew. Anwar, if he ever watches uh, our podcast or listens, I kind of doubt it, but if he does, he'll know I had a great time watching him. Um, Other than that, reading um, and doing my self-care Sunday type of deal. So I'm ready to jump into some things. I know that um, Elon Musk was on everybody's mind and everybody's lips as far as his uh, takeover of Twitter. So what do you think about that?
0: Interesting. I I didn't see this on the radar. Um, You know, I've heard some conversations, but since it's become like a mainstream topic, it it seemed like it moved really quick. You know, people were talking about it, and then next thing you know, it was done. Um, When I heard about it initially, I'm like, nah, that's. I don't. I don't think that's gonna happen. The way he positions himself, like you say, it was almost like a a takeover, a hostile takeover. He's like, I want it. I'm going to get it. And he got it. So
2: Elon I'm interested bad.
0: to see how what, what changes with him now having ownership over Twitter. I don't use Twitter a ton. Um, you know, Twitter was a thing when, when Trump was in office because that was his main <laughs> way of communicating. But um, I'm interested to see how this plays out.
1: Yeah, that's when I lost my interest in Twitter, actually, when Mm. Trump uh, came. But he does pledge to delete spam bots. And I'm just thinking, okay, so if he can do this on Twitter, can he come on my cell phone and and get them to stop spamming me? But it'll be interesting. Um, I know we have an awesome guest today to share with the folks. So before we get to our guest, let's get a little bit of industry news out of the way.
0: Sure. Um,
1: A couple of things that... (laughs) Took a look earlier today and um one article from Insurance News Net, which is one we regularly uh check out, it talked about the secret to financial security and owning life insurance basically being a factor, you know, when it comes to financial security. Now we know that, right? That mm-hmm. you, myself, our guests and several sober members, but sometimes I still think that we don't get it. You know, when we're having conversations about life insurance, I'm not sure that everybody is positioning life insurance where they should, you know, in reference to gaining financial security or financial stability. So it's one of those things that I would definitely say if you're not taking advantage of conversations with your clients and uh, with prospects, life insurance isn't just about a death benefit. It isn't just about the living benefits. It's more about the setup of your entire financial life and really securing, you know, what it is you build. So take that conversation a little bit different if you're not already. Absolutely. Uh, I will say I will will read this. It says life insurance key to financial security. Uh, Financial insecurity transcends generation generations and is highest among whom? Gen X. 49%, 49%, followed by millennials at 44%, uh, Gen Z at 42%, and baby boomers at 33%. So Gen X. Okay, let's let's get it together. Let's get so it together. wait,
0: wait, real quick. You mm-hmm. said Gen X is the lowest?
1: Financial insecurity is highest
0: among, among Gen, Gen X. X.
1: And we've we talked about it. We know yeah. it, not only because we are Gen Xers. Well, me, I'm... <laughs> Technically not, but I'll kick it with you. Um,
0: 49%,
1: 49% of us are financially insecure, and that's the highest among millennials, Gen Z, baby boomers, and X were the highest, you
0: know. Hmm, so
1: it is, but it's something that I knew already. Um, it's something we really gotta tackle. And hopefully this conversation tonight you know, will actually shed some light and, again, make people think a new thought. Right. Um, Right. One more thought was interesting since we've been following these rate hikes when it comes to property and casualty, Allstate is set to increase uh, auto rates in 2022. And basically- Allstate has increased auto rates in 15 states at an average of 9.8% in March and has now implemented 53 rate increases in 41 locations, averaging a little bit over 8%. So it's still going up, y'all. It's still going up. That's not changing.
0: Yeah, auto rates are crazy right now. And I'll guess from, uh, what was it, three, four weeks ago? Uh, Denise Laws, who's running for commissioner, we definitely need to follow up on that conversation. We definitely yeah. need to follow up. I mean, that that's I, I really don't understand the, the hikes in the auto industry when it comes to insurance. And I know she mentioned something that there's nothing in place to um, limit how much these companies can increase the policies. So I'm very interested in having a follow up conversation with her about, you know, if she ends up winning this election, what's she going to do about that? Because that's, that's, well, that's horrible.
1: You know, and of course, it's regulated on the state level. She was speaking specifically in reference to our state of Georgia, Yeah. Um, where I'm sure it's similar in most, um, mm-hmm. where really the players get to set the prices, mm-hmm. right? So as long as it's competitive, they can charge whatever they want. So... That is an interesting conversation to go back to in reference to Janice. It's the main thing she's running on. So yeah, that will be interesting. Um, yeah. We can shore this up with a little bit of healthcare. Uh, CVS, and many people, when they think CVS, those who are aware of that merger um, or that purchase, um, we think Aetna. A lot of times when I see CVS as a healthcare company, I think Aetna. But they got a complaint on a question of whether or not they were actually doling out customer service or whether or not it was a HIPAA violation. They had someone who was kind of going crazy on Twitter, complaining about things, and a customer service rep ended up calling her, and it wasn't a very HIPAA-compliant conversation. They were really calling to rag her in reference to Twitter um, and actually used some types of titles like they were, they were calling – from the office of the president and we're able to pull up her personal information or whatnot. So when it comes to HIPAA folks, um, make sure you all are protecting people's information. Now, of course, with agents, most of us are, um working with our own clients we're not customer service reps or we're not calling out of the blue and cold calling but still when it comes to protecting people's information we have access to so much and we can get caught up in HIPAA complaints too you know pii and phi that personal information uh be careful about contacting folks be careful about where you keep your records and who has access to them um so yeah so That won't be the last, but it was just unfortunate um, that this happened. And this person is just so upset. I believe if you go on Twitter and you look up CVS Health, it's probably the first thing that will show up.
0: Right. Right.
1: But Yeah, just a little industry news around around the different lines.
0: Okay. So we've been doing um, ads here for about the last month or so. Do we have one to run this week?
1: Well... We can talk Black Friday. We do have an update on Black Friday. Of course, you all know we've been posting it on the wall and we are going to get more and more vocal about Black Friday, which is an opportunity for Black agents to come together with carriers on the heavy on the PNC side, some on the Medicare side, to really, you know, either get a contract, get a deal closed, but all in all, there's going to be a lot of networking. It is an event focused directly on the black agent. Um, there will mm-hmm. be lunch served. Actually, I just got a confirmation that Janice Laws will be in the building and will be addressing the stage as well, or the audience as well, I should say. Mm-hmm. So that will be at the gathering spot on May 13th, the gathering spot here in Atlanta. So if you're not in Atlanta and you're not too far, come on down. You know, it, this event cost you nothing. We are asking that you all, register early we do not want the typical wait until the last day there are things that we need to account for and especially soba members do us a favor be a member register early we also have some highlights some things that we're giving away um for the early registrants early registration is over may 6th so again if you're listening to this whether live or replay and you haven't registered go now Um, to register, you can look on the wall and find that information. For those that are not members of SOBA, go to Eventbrite. And if you put in the search SOBA, S-O-B-A, Black Friday, it will come right up and you'll be able to not only register for the event, but also if you need to have an appointment with one of those carriers, you can go ahead and schedule an appointment for your 30 minute session to sit down with one of the carriers and get your business handled.
0: Yes, our first face-to-face event of 2022. So we look forward to having y'all out there. So definitely register. I mean, everything is free for you all. So we're expecting, you know, the tickets to go fast. So make sure you register because we don't want you to show up the day today. Uh, and we well, you just you, say, we don't have like, no you
1: know. your energy kind of went down. You're like, make sure you register. <laughs> what, you you, know I, I mean, let's, and let's and be real. Like,
0: we know how we are. We show up the day of talking about let me in, and then get mad when there's no more seats. So
1: now let's prove him wrong. Okay, we don't know what he's talking about. Everyone will register early. I don't know
0: what I'm talking about, (laughs) Shay. Okay,
1: okay, it's wishful thinking. We're pushing the race forward. Okay,
0: there we go, there we go. So register. We would love to see you that day. All right. So hey, we got a guest. This is probably going to be one of at least two conversations around tonight's topic. So we want to kind of transition, bring our guests in and get right into our conversation. So let me bring in tonight's guest, Ashley Thomas. Ashley, we've known each other for for a while and we were um, at one of Montoya's events uh, a couple of weeks ago, y'all know Montoya very well. He's one of our com- community partners, always doing dope events. And we had an event uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, at a bookstore in Atlanta. Ashley was there uh, helping sponsor the event, had a great time, and just struck up a conversation that I know you and Shay started uh, a couple of months ago. And yep. we just wanted to get you on the show, Ashley. Your title, again, is, I wrote it down and here we go again. (laughs) What what, what is your title?
2: So I am a personal finance coach for my
0: business. Okay. So actually, go ahead and tell people a little bit about what you do now that we have your title out of the way tell people what it is you really do
2: yeah so in my nine to five i am a client service manager i work with institutional 401k plans so um, plans that range anywhere from 100 to 500 million dollars and i just make sure that they're compliant everything's running well Uh, prior to that i was doing participant education and a relationship manager i'm a licensed stockbroker um and even before that, I was doing beneficiary services and operations. And then I started my own company, Making Money Matter, uh, yeah. as a personal finance coach. So I help people create budgets, get their finances together, target their money mindset. And I do that with a licensed therapist in the Atlanta area.
0: Yeah. Nice. And, and you, her and Montoya have a dope show y'all do is twice a month, correct?
2: Uh it is once a month. It's the second nice. Monday of every month. It's Making Money Matter Mondays. We have a conversation on topics going on in finance with our therapist on the line. And we just have a real conversation about these topics, um, how your emotions and mental health might impact your finances.
0: That's dope. I like I that. that. I, I love that angle. Yeah. I love that angle. Because that, that's a part we don't talk about a lot.
2: Exactly. Yeah, it could it,
0: be very cold.
2: Mm-hmm. It, it goes unspoken, and like when you consider that we all have traumas, traumas and triggers, and things that we have experienced throughout throughout our life, and it has continued beyond us, you know, from childhood into adulthood it also impacts your money, right? If you're feeling a certain way and you don't have awareness around your emotions, um, when you're feeling sad or frustrated, you might be looking to buy your next pair of shoes or your next watch or your next cell phone. And your emotions and mental health definitely have an impact on the way that you spend your money.
1: Right. right. And I know we're delinquent in our conversation. It was December, like early December. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I remember I was I was away on vacation. I'm Mm -hmm. getting ready to go back. And I'm like, dang, I didn't talk to Ashley in like months. But the thing that sparked interest in you for me is when we were on another, we did another event. We were on a tour, um, ATL tours Mm -hmm. together. Mm -hmm. And when we stopped to shop, what's the name of the store we
2: were in you all in Pont City Market? Oh, that was um, village, marketplace. Village, yeah, village marketplace. Yeah, village marketplace, village retail, something like that. So there's a there's a
1: spot you all where you can sit down. And so after I shopped and I looked around a little bit and I was thinking, okay, I've I've done enough. And I didn't get a lot because I'm pretty responsible nowadays because I used to not be at all. Yeah, um, which is why behavioral finance and how your traumas and how your life can really mold out who you are financially, especially if you really don't take control. Yes. But Ashley was just sitting over on the couch and she was, just, and she mentioned something about not purchasing anything or, you know, you you were being careful with your money or whatnot. And I was like, that is so responsible. And so we started speaking and I found out that we were really connected in reference to, the field that you're in, uh, which yes. mirrors a lot of what I've done. And so I just appreciate you finally making it here um, due to okay. your conversation with TP. But before we jump into the actual topic about um, the great wealth transfer, what got you in the field that you're currently in? And and what got you to the point that you opened your own business
2: So I have always been very weird and nerdy when it comes to personal finance. Uh, when I graduated college, I actually started doing taxes and I was doing budgets back then. Like I was that person that was like, no, 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 you got to put more money into your 401k to offset your taxes. Uh, and then I had a conversa- conversation with a coworker and she was like, you should be having these conversations with people. Like you should not just be here doing financial aid. Like you need to be out there talking to people. I It never even crossed my mind as a possibility for something that I could do for work. And so I transitioned into participant education. So I traveled 95% of the time. I had a book of business of about 55 clients, and I was going on site with them, talking to their employees, getting them enrolled in the 401k, having conversations around social security. um, What is their time horizon? What does retirement look like? And my personal journey with my company started because um, prior to going into participant education, I was at E Trade, I was doing trading. Uh, and I, I woke up one day and I had like $21,000 in credit card debt and I had nothing to show for it, right? And and $21,000, like it is a large sum of money. But when you're talking about minimum payments where it's maybe $100, $75 here, it doesn't really add up to you. And I, I told that money up. And I was like, I don't even have control of my money. Like it's, it's all minimum payments. And right. so at that point it was February, 2015. I decided that I was not going to do that anymore. And so I bumped up and did overtime. I was working overtime 7 15 to 9 PM, Monday through Thursday. I worked overtime on Friday, anytime they offered it on Friday, on Saturday and Sunday, whether it was all day, four hours, I was there, um, by May 2016, um, one day before my birthday, I had paid off all of my credit card debt. And it was an amazing feeling. Uh, Since that time, I haven't paid any interest on my credit cards. I probably have a 1% balance, but I pay my cards off every single month. Mm -hmm. And I realized if I could do that, if I could grind and go that hard and get my credit card debt paid off and now be in a position where My bills are paid up for the year. Right. Like I have a one year emergency fund in addition to all of the other savings that I have. I have so much freedom and flexibility, even though I'm not where I want to be financially. If I can do that, I know that other people need that flexibility and that freedom and that empowerment with their finances to just be something more than minimum payments or following that same cycle that their parents or relatives followed. So that that really prompted me to start my business and be that coach and be that person that's like, no, sis, we're not doing that. We need to have a conversation. What is your why? Keeping you on track and really digging up those triggers and traumas so that once you create that awareness, you create additional possibilities.
1: Nice.
0: So what you did on a personal level took a lot of sacrifice, right? You 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 yes. put some things on pause. Yes. Took overtime. Yes. When you are talking to your average client, and you suggest we may have to do something radical to get you to where you need to go, what is the the usual response?
2: So most times people stop working with me. <laughs> and it's because you're you're bringing something to their face where um, people know that it's a problem, but they've never gotten serious enough about it to do something with it. So when they're having a conversation with me, we're not just oh you know tell me your expenses because when what i try to tell people is like budgeting is very simple it's just addition and subtraction either you have the money or you don't have the money what really becomes the problem is what's driving the decisions behind how you're spending your money so if you make enough money to cover your expenses What's driving these purchases that are pushing you over that line? So most people will honestly just stop working with me once we get to the point where we're going through all of their expenses line by line. Because if you tell me, hey, I need your help, I don't have enough money to be upfront and honest with me about what's happening. And a lot of that honesty and holding the mirror to their face is very scary. So a lot of people are very hesitant to move forward. The people that do... um, there are tears, there's some fighting it, there's some encouraging words and some life that I have to speak into them to help them realize, Like if this is what you want, you didn't get here overnight, so you're not going to get out of this situation right. overnight. We have to be doing diligent and consistent work in order for you to improve your finances. And that's what I'm here for, to give you that encouragement when it gets tough. Because it's not a matter of will it get tough. It's a matter of when is it going to get tough for you, and do you have the grit to continue moving forward in that?
1: I love that yep. that word, grit, because it does take a lot of that.
2: You had it a follow-up. Does.
0: No, I was gonna say I agree. I, I see that a lot as well. You know, I think a lot of times people get caught up in this they they want things to happen quick.
2: Yes. And and
0: you said it, you know, you hit it right on the head. You didn't get in this situation overnight and you're not gonna get out of it overnight. But there's so yes. many things now that people see on social media that claim to be a quick fix. Yes. And if you're not that they don't want to work with you they're going to yep. go pay somebody else that they think are going to be able to snap a finger and get them out of their situation and then when they come back they're in a worse situation than they were initially yes. when they talked to you because they didn't went and spend money with somebody else that did not get them the results they were looking for so, they
1: do anything yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah,
2: Yeah, they're paying people to do the work for them. That's very common um, when you're talking about people that want to improve their credit. They're going to these companies and they're doing letters to get the things written off of their credit report. It's still going to show back up there, but they're paying this monthly fee for them to keep writing letters and keep removing it. And it's like you could actually just pay off the debt. You could have a conversation and try to settle this so that you don't have to worry about that.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: In here lately, and this is just this' is just off the cuff. It's nothing I was planning to ask you, but just based on what you said, it seems like here lately I've seen a crackdown on some of that as far as the companies that are offering credit repair and have people on subscription model. I can't recall uh the company or what I read, but it seems like that is not that people are getting caught up doing that. Have you? heard that
2: at all? That oh, no, really I so. haven't. Uh, I, okay. I, I really like, I, I know a couple of people that are on my friend's page and I'm like, you're, you're okay. a scammer. So, you know, like I, I try to steer clear of that just because like credit is one of those things that we really have to have conversations on that people aren't. And it's one of those things where um, I think there's a lack of accountability That comes with credit where people are like, oh, well, you know, I I made this mistake or like if this is your debt, why are you not prioritizing paying it like this is something that you owe. And I think that speaks more to a person's character than anything else, because why are you trying to get away from something that you actually did, you know, like life happens, you might not be able to afford it, but. You put yourself in a worse position by not handling your business and you're paying higher interest. You're not able to get the credit that you need when emergencies come up. You can't even handle those because you decided not to take responsibility and accountability for the things that you already did.
1: When you when let's say you you the people who you are able to crack the nut on, they're able to give you a why and they understand your approach and why what it is that you're saying, how you're setting it up is so important. What would you say in general is the number one response as to why they got to where they are right now? Why they haven't handled their finances properly?
2: So a lot of it is this shame and this fear. There's a lot of comparison that comes in when you talk about finance. I should know better. Um, There are so many things that I wish I had done differently with my money. Um, A a lot of it comes back to childhood. You know, I have one client, like her parents were hoarders. And so that automatically put her in a scarcity mindset of, what if I can't get these things in the future? Uh, And and on the opposite side of that, right, I have another client, her parents were hoarders, and she was like, well, I'm going to spend like I want to because I don't know what's going to happen in the future. I don't want to get to that point. So let me just enjoy things as they are. And so a lot of it becomes, again, that that shame, that guilt, that embarrassment for poor decisions that they made in the past, or even things where they can kind of tie it to childhood or um Maybe it was they wanted things when they were younger. They never had the money. They never had the opportunity. So now it's that treat yourself mentality. And they're trying to do the things that they want now. I'm an adult. I should be able to enjoy my money.
1: Right. All right, got it. That that sounds very familiar because I, I was not like you. I, I was <laughs> I was not out of college, doing taxes and budgeting. I was trying to spend every dollar I got my hand on until I literally I still can recall when I came in one day and I had these bags and I was like I was like this high at the store and then I got home with these bags and I was like Ugh, it just didn't feel good yep. and I can still remember feeling like you know what if I don't stop and learn how money really works. Um, and and the, like I said, the behavioral part of it right? And I'm going to be in trouble um, So it's just it's, it's interesting to me And when I think generationally So our grandparents Didn't want to owe anybody anything Yep Right um, Our parents, I would say oh, And I can speak for myself But then too, also being in the field Those baby boomers many of them because they were able to earn a little bit more and understood a little bit more at least many of them had their credit at least their credit yeah in order but when it comes to gen x it's like it, it almost feels like we we don't understand like something switched and it's almost like we don't understand again 49 so 50 percent of us gen xers Are financially insecure we're also a sandwich generation meaning we're taking care of parents we're taking care of children so with all of that being said what do you and i'm asking both of you what what happened what snap between understanding credit you know like i said not wanting to owe anybody and then gen x is just like giving everybody our money i mean
0: (laughs) yeah i mean i don't i don't have like a a studied answer for this. I'm just going off of, you know, my personal experience.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: When I was growing up, we were dubbed the generation as babies having babies, right? So I know, you know, my mother was a single mom and she, she worked, I mean, she worked hard and she was so focused on making sure we were taken care of, there was never really time to have a conversation about how not to be in this situation. Right. So, you know, she worked hard, she put food on the table, clothes on our back, gave us the best opportunity she could. But because she was so engrossed in providing, there was never really a conversation on, this is how you don't get into that situation. And even, you know, looking back at my grandmother, I don't see her have had, have had conversations with my mother to show her how not to get into that situation. So, you know, it, it's one of those situations where, you know, what you're taught in your environment growing up when it comes to these conversations is very important. Grew up in inner city schools. Financial literacy wasn't a thing, you know, Um it just wasn't something we were exposed to. And, you know, I I look at generations now where, you know, you can find anything on the internet. And even now, you know, finance is is, is a sexy thing to talk about. You know, you see kids in high school talking about investing in NFTs and, and crypto and all this stuff. So I think the exposure now is a lot different from the things that I, in most of my generation, was exposed to when we were growing.
2: Ashley, what do you think? So, I think part of it is definitely that there weren't conversations, right? When when I think about um, my mom and my grandmother, they didn't talk about money, <laughs> uh, and so I think when you talk about a time where people are actually able to work and expenses are low and wages are actually keeping pace with things, right? Like it's very different now. We're not making enough money. Um, But when you're talking about a time where, uh, a regular 40 hour paycheck could cover the expenses. Like, yeah, things might be tight depending on your situation, but things weren't as expensive as they are right now. Um, right. I, I think that credit probably, you know, started to gain some popularity. And so if you're able to keep pace with things, um, if you're able to get this money and, and it doesn't seem like there's um, too many things that are outside of your control. like you you know what it's supposed to look like, even though you've not had these conversations. It's easy to fake it. yeah, you're not making it, but it's that fake until you make it where, oh, well, I know I need to pay my bills on time. That's what I saw my parents do, but it's not that struggle of they're paying cash for everything because they don't want to have any debt. It's that. I can use my credit card for this and then pay it back. So I think when you just talk about this time where expenses were low, credit was available and you had what you needed and and there wasn't so much in terms of gratification and all of these other things, right? Like I, I think that people had once back then, but not necessarily to the degree that it is right now, you know, where thousand dollar cell phones are the norm that right. that's not what was happening back then so it, it's easy to kind of fall through the cracks with all of those things when it's kind of like a perfect storm
0: yeah, and it's like we're, we're constantly being marketed to now we're constantly being sold Definitely. you think about it at one time it was the commercials right you see a tv commercial and it's like "Ooh, i want that with social media you see that all day every day yep like everybody's posting something, whether it's a new car, new purse, new shoes, whatever. So you're constantly been being bombarded with that messaging of you need more. Right. It was easy to turn off the TV and just not see the commercials, but everywhere you look now is right in front of you.
1: You know what, what was not easy to turn off? As soon as I asked you all that question, and I was going through my mind about you know what was it for me? And first thing that popped into my mind, of course, I grew up in Atlanta and I was thinking about, you know, do you want a Benz or a Beamer? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like our our culture as far as hip hop goes, I think of the silent generation, the baby boomer generation as still having some, some pride. You know, our people came through so much yeah. and there was still this sense of pride. But then it seems like in the 80s, you know, with the economy booming, early 80s, with the economy booming, and then you have you know, drugs flooding our neighborhoods, you know, younger folks learning how to, you know, get involved in in that, you know, really being in the streets. And then you you bore hip hop out of that. So then we start to have a different kind of pride, but it's really based on in a lot of ways in materialism.
2: Yeah.
1: In misogyny, you know, and many things that were really detrimental to us. Now was I bopping along to all of it? Yes. Do I love hip hop? Yes. But I also understand if we did a search today about, you know, hip hop rap lyrics or songs that glorify money and glorify spending, then we could talk about that for I don't know how many shows. So even though we didn't see the commercials, the music was, we were flooded with it. And I think that our irresponsible. Irresponsibility just went up to a whole nother level because we literally had a soundtrack for it.
2: Yeah, that's. I, a good I
0: point. can see that. Yeah. I, I can see that. Yeah, absolutely. So we, we're already, we already set it up. We we're probably gonna have a a part two because we're already forty minutes up, and we haven't even really gotten to the conversation. So let me ask you this: Ashley. you know, we invited you on. Um, you know, we said we wanted to talk about the great wealth transfer. You know our black families missing out. When you heard the topic, like, what's the first thing that came to your mind?
2: Um, we're missing out. We're 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 not prepared. Um, we don't have a seat at the table. We don't have a table. We don't have a chair. Um, we're really missing out, and I think. We haven't defined wealth for ourselves because I don't think it's fair to compare us to wealth for white people. I don't think that's fair because we just don't have it. The playing field is not level. Um, And so for me, it was just like, this is a conversation we need to have. Like, I I don't know what it is within our community. Like, we don't like to talk about death. We don't like to talk about these things that are going to come. And it puts us in a position where we're grossly underprepared every single time because we're not willing to have these conversations. It's again, not a matter of if it's going to happen. It's a matter of when. And so if we're not having these conversations and we're not preparing every single time, we are continuing this generational trauma around money.
0: Mm -hmm. So you say we're not having these conversations. Is it because we're avoiding them? Or do you think it's more so we're just not equipped to have them?
2: I think we're all equipped, right? To the degree of, you know, where your accounts are, you know, what your expenses are, you know, what you want to have happen to you should you pass away. And if, If you don't like that is something that you need to spend time with yourself to think about. Um, Because when when I think about the great wealth transfer, it's there's one generation that's transitioning and now this wealth is moving to the next one. And if you're not telling your family where the accounts are, if you're not best investing in a manner that allows that money to stay in your family to continue producing income for you, if you're not getting enough insurance, you can't even come to the table because what is it going to do? And, and when I think about well it's generational it's not something that it just dies with your child or your grandchild like you need that money to be going on so that you're changing the path so that you're changing the directions and i think to a degree we all like we we know our accounts we know our account numbers we know where our banks are right like it shouldn't be that you're passing away and now your family has to go to court to get um an administrator assigned to the state so that you can collect the accounts why we're Majority of banks, you can do that right online. For 401ks, IRAs, when you're setting up the accounts, they're asking for beneficiaries. And we're in the information age. Like anything you want, you can ask Siri, you can ask Google, you can ask Alexa. They're all going to give you some information and from there it's about connecting the dots so we're all qualified to be having the conversations i just think that a lot of people tend to avoid it like life happens so quickly and there are so many issues and for the thousands of people that i've spoken to it's always it just happened so fast retirement came so fast um having to quit working came so fast that there's no forethought to it. There's no what's the future like? And I, I think that's the conversation that we're avoiding. What does the future right. look like? What does the future I want look like?
0: Right. And and the reason I ask that question is because I work with a lot of families and, you know, the statistics say 78% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. So when you're just trying to stay afloat, you know, back to the the lack of conversations with my mother and grandmother. A lot of times, there's there's not the time taking to figure out a solution. Mm-hmm. You, you just you got bills to pay, you got kids to take care of. You're just trying to keep a roof over everybody's head and them fed. So you don't really have time to to figure out again a solution. And I sit across the table or talk to people a lot of times, and I I'm talking basic stuff with them. And it amazes me sometimes that here are people in their 40s, 50s, and 60s that have never heard what I'm what I'm thinking is basic, it's elementary. Right. I'm talking about budgeting. I'm talking about savings. I'm talking about emergency funds. So, you know, that's the reason, you know, I asked the question is because yes, there, there is information out there, but when you're so focused on just trying to to stay afloat, I think a lot of us, a lot of people in our community just miss that.
1: Absolutely. Just so we can set it up for those who are thinking, you know, thinking that they know, you know, what we're talking about. when We talk about the greatest wealth transfer in history. We're talking about the fact that baby boomers, those born between uh, 1946 and 64 are passing down the largest uh, transfer of wealth to millennials who are actually, based on statistics, 10 times poorer than those baby boomers. You add that with the mindset of, well, you add that with debt, student loans. Yeah. Um, millennials love brands, they flex on Instagram like no other, right? Um, they're completely distracted from TikTok to Instagram to whatever is going to be the next big thing. Um, so we're talking about a wealth transfer, but one of the things that just some of the things I just talked about just describing who the millennials are is it, really frightening when you think, okay, that money will be passed down, and oh, I'm sorry, and then I, you know, the government proposing. Changes in you know the way we they tax our you know retirement accounts um, tax everybody. Yeah. When you mentioned a perfect storm earlier, in my mind it's like <laughs> it's a perfect storm for the government to get over and Wall Street, excuse me, yeah. um, to get over like some fat rats. I mean, is that how you look at this, Ashley? I
2: I don't look at it that way. I okay. I think. I think the one thing that is very, very disappointing is like we don't have community to have conversations about preparation. Like I I remember when my grandmother had gotten older and like she had cancer and she was just like, take care of your body. Like it's the only one you have, but those aren't conversations people my age are having. They're not like take care of your body. It's like "Uh, I'll work out. I'll probably have some chips for dinner. You know, like I'll I'll figure it out along the way. And so we're not having these generational conversations. And because there has been a lack of education, um, there there's just this this period of time where we lacked. The knowledge. And I think it is, you know, because of hip hop and drugs and all of these things, like it, it was really destroying our community. So now we're not having these conversations about the next step about what does the future look like, about what does your legacy look like, right? We're not talking about legacy building. So there's just a disconnect. And, and so now we have money that's going to transfer to people that um, millennials, where i mean what it's been like three recessions that they've experienced we're on the brink of another one inflation is at record highs interest rates have like never been so low when you're talking about bank accounts and we're just now getting financial literacy taught in high schools Mm -hmm. so I, i i think that like the information is there but There's so much greed and consumerism, like how do you navigate those waters, you know, to your point about the government, right? Like I I tell people, whether it's Roth, whether it's pre-tax, whether it's RMDs, like the government wants their cut. That's why there's life expectancy tables. That's why there's RMDs, because you need to pay these taxes before you pass away, before you get this money to someone else. And so... It scares me that there is no concept of the future. I can't tell you how many people I know that are just like, oh, well, you know, like I'll, I'll start saving in a couple of years. Social security is not going to be around by the time I retire. And I'm like, that might very well be the case. But what if surprise, you know, like your 401k is still here, that that pension is still here and you've spent all of this time You know, thinking that it wasn't going to happen. And now you get to your 50s and you're now trying to push, push, push and do all of these things. And you can't do it financially. You cannot do it because you've overextended yourself for your entire life. For your entire life.
1: Oh, my God. That just sounds like a horror story. And, and it is real. <laughs> you just reminded me of someone I remember when I was practicing. Of course, I'm managing insurance agents now, so I'm not practicing. But I can remember a family friend. I don't know how many times I've told this story, but it like it it hit me so many different ways. But he walked into my office in his early 50s. And yes, he, had, he owned his own cleaning service, but he also didn't do a lot of work, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he walked into the office and he told me, he was ready for his retirement plan and i and i said you're ready for your retirement plan like that face but is a family friend and you know i was it was i was like a deer in headlights oh my god this guy really thought that someone else it was someone else's responsibility to make sure that he was going to be out be able to live out the rest of his years financially secure Um, It was a very tough conversation. We had some follow ups and although he never became a client, he really didn't have anything for me to work with. But we did at least carve out some ways in which he needed to increase his business and started saving. But I promise you, Ashley, that face,
2: I was (laughs) like, I, I, I didn't know what to do. Yeah. those those conversations are heartbreaking because I think people get so used to hearing retirement so much that they don't realize that responsibility falls on them now. We're done with pensions. There are some companies that do have pensions, but you have to be there long enough to vest. And with how the workforce is right now, most people won't be there to vest. And a lot of these pensions are struggling to meet their obligations. So retirement is 100% on your back. And I it starts like a child coming out now going into the workforce at 18 should honestly be saving 15% of their income just so that they have enough money for retirement. And you don't have to increase that number. You just have to start with 15% and we're satisfied with just doing enough to get the match. That's not enough. Um, We had a conference one time at work and um, the presenter from Vanguard, I believe it was, he said, What's the most expensive purchase that you'll make in your life? Of course, everyone says a house, right? But like, it's a fixed cost. It's going to go down. Retirement is the most expensive purchase of your life. You don't know what those expenses will be. You don't know if you're going to live 20, 30, 40 years beyond the point that you retire. And if you retire before Social Security, you're eligible to collect that. How do you bridge that gap? Yeah. You know, are you even prepared for that? Is your body going to allow you to keep working until you are retirement age? And, you know, what does longevity look like in your family? And so when you're not having those considerations and you're not thinking about retirement is my responsibility, be that savings, be that a 401k or an IRA, you're already at a disadvantage. And there are plenty of people that I talked to that were in the same boat where they're 55 Oh, I have a hundred thousand in my account. I want to spend half of this to put my daughter through college. What? Right. You, you're what? not going to get that money back. I don't care how great you saved. Yeah. All it takes is one wrong fall. All it takes is one illness to put you in long term care, and yeah. you're done for.
0: Right. Yeah. Right. So the, the numbers. Go ahead. Go ahead, Shay.
2: No, go, I was I was
1: going to shift the conversation and just basically say. We talked about a lot. We have about five minutes left. And I think we should change the way we normally close, because, Ashley, if you'll come back, we do want to have a second part to this conversation where we dive into more of the solution part of it. Um, But, TP, if you've got some housekeeping and maybe want Ashley to close out tonight with some with some hope, we've we've um, we've ruffled some feathers. We've kicked it up a bit. Uh, but we don't want to leave people there. We want to give them some some solution and then carry it over into another conversation. But but let's take care of some housekeeping if you have any, TP.
0: Yeah, Ashley, stick with us. Um, before I get into housekeeping, we're going to let you close out. So think of some things that you would like to say to, even though we didn't get to solutions yet, something to leave people with until we get back to this conversation. Because we don't want to leave them like, damn, it's it's very gloom <laughs> out here. So. Um, just something to, to encourage them till we get back here. But um, before I do that, just tell people how they can contact you, Ashley. Give, give your yeah. contact
2: info. Yeah. Uh, so you can find me on Instagram, on Facebook at Making Money Matter LLC. Um, you can go to my website, www.makingmoneymatter.org. You can send me an email, Ashley at makingmoneymatter.org. I would love to have a conversation with you. Um, if there, yeah, hit me up. This is what I'm here for.
0: So, appreciate it. Definitely. So, hey, some housekeeping notes like Shay said. Uh, once again, we would like to thank all of our new members, welcome you all to the group. Uh, I think we got about 15 here over the last week or so. So, welcome to the Soba family. Uh, thank you all for continuing to invite people to the group. We would definitely appreciate that. Also, want to remind you that being part of the Facebook group is not the Soba membership. Remember, Go to SobaMember.com or wearesoba.org to see the actual membership offerings on either one of those two websites. Uh, Shay mentioned Black Friday earlier. Remember to go ahead and register through Eventbrite. If you want a meeting with the carrier, after registering at Eventbrite, you have to click the link to set an appointment with the carrier. They have set aside 30-minute spots to talk to any agent that wants to talk to them, So make sure you get your ticket. And then if you want to have an appointment with the carrier, go book your time. Because once those times are gone, they are gone. They're only there for the first half of the day. And last, uh, last week, I, I went online and uh, I did a Zoom on Wednesday morning at 830. I did a Q&A and some training for some agents. We had a couple of agents jump on. A few agents jump on. Had a great conversation. A great time. I'm going to continue that. So this Wednesday at 8:30 a.m., I'm going to uh, go on Zoom again. If you want to join me, have a conversation on, you know, where you are in the industry, on how I how we can help you grow as sober. Uh, feel free to jump on. I will drop that link uh, in the group sometime tomorrow. So you know, if you're free Wednesday 8:30, jump on and let's have a conversation. And Shay, now I'm going to. Get it back over to you, because I know you have this rapid fire that you want to get here out at Ashley.
1: I do. Um, so so we'll do a few rapid fire questions. This is the real talk part of our conversation. And then, Ashley, we're going to ask you to drop a gem or two and close us out. So got a few questions. Number one, what is your favorite food? <sighs> Seafood. <laughs> seafood what's our yeah. favorite food seafood not any particular just all yeah
2: seafood. crab legs lobster tail shrimp right. fried whiting oysters clams um girl. calamari
0: seafood.
2: Seafood. Oh, <laughs> seafood okay all right what is your favorite
1: thing to do to wind down
2: Probably put on some Netflix or, um, put on one of my playlists on, uh, Spotify and light some incense and just relax, like no TV, no nothing, just relax.
1: Love it. And last, how do you describe your blackness?
2: That's a good question. I've never been asked that. Um, I, I know this might sound cliche, but it it's just me, right? Like I I don't think there's anything that makes you black other than being black, and so I I think that like you know when a lot of people get to know me, I'm not what they had in mind, and so I I'm all over the place, and I own that, and that's that's my blackness right there. Like I I'm all over the spectrum, and I'm okay with that.
1: I love it. We're okay with cool. it too. Thank you so much for joining Thank us. Uh, we can't wait to schedule the next one. But like we said, I normally close out with a with something to leave the audience with. And I would love for you to take that over and just drop us with a gem or two.
2: Okay. Um, so I would say one start a budget now. I don't care if you haven't done a budget before, start a budget. A budget is not a bad thing. It's not anything that won't allow you to do what you want to do. A budget just tells you when you can do things. Not that you can't, just when you can do them. Um, And I would say it's not too late. Um, You might not be able to have the life that you envision. You might not be able to do the things that you want, but Any step that you can take in the right direction right now for yourself, for your kids, for your grandkids, be that saving money or passing on the knowledge, right? Create awareness, have conversations so that you create opportunities. Um, There's a quote, I'm going to paraphrase it really quick from this book. It was like, um, the person... Imagine of a fire going on in a forest and like it's just knocking out trees. And when you get awareness, you have the ability to stop the fire in its tracks. That's what knowledge does. So it's not too late. Get the knowledge, create the awareness so that you can stop the fire that's going on in your family right now.
0: Mic drop. Love it. it. That's a great way to end. Well, thank you, Ashley. Really appreciate it.
1: Thank you, you for having family.
0: We are out of here. We will see y'all next week. Have a good one. And you one. all
2: will see Ashley back soon. Take care.